94 Feet Report. I'm your host, as always, Eric Spiropoulos, and you can follow me on Twitter at Eric Spiros. This is Episode 7 of Free Talk Friday here on the 94 Feet Report, where we do a casual, uh, short and sweet conversation about the NBA and some random topics. Before we get into today's episode, I want to remind you that we are brought to you by Fan Essentials. Use promo code 94 Feet at checkout for 30% off your first subscription, and by Daily Fantasy Nerd. Uh, check out the website for some great daily fantasy tools. I also want to remind you, uh, you can check out all the previous episodes of the show on iTunes and Stitcher or on our Blog Talk radio page, and of course you'll get all the information for the show on my Twitter, at Eric Spiros. In today's episode, uh, episode 7 of Free Talk Friday, we will be joined by Duncan Smith, editor of Piston Powered on Fansided and the new uh, newly launched site 16 Wins a Ring. And uh, Duncan will join us to discuss some random topics in the NBA, from the Eastern Conference to some trades that we would like to see throughout the course of the season. Uh, So stick around, and we'll be joined uh, shortly by Duncan Smith to chat some NBA topics on this Episode 7 of Free Talk Friday on the 94 Feet Report. All right, we are now joined by Duncan Smith, who is the editor of Piston Powered on Fansided, and is also now the editor of 16 Wins a Ring, which is a site that uh, just recently launched, um, covers the NBA, and pretty much covers so many topics of the NBA. No matter which team you root for or have an interest in, you're going to find something to enjoy on 16 Wins a Ring. So, Duncan, how are you today? I'm doing great, Eric. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty well. Um, So I mentioned 16 Wins a Ring, and... Because it's a new site um, and it's kind of your new position, I'd like to talk a little bit about the site. I've been reading it and I've loved the article so far. Um, so maybe you can just give a background to some people who aren't familiar with the site yet, um, what kind of articles they could expect, some podcasts on the site, and then uh, your role within the site. Sure, of course. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it started very organically, actually. I think it's probably the, way, the best way to describe it. There was uh, maybe 15 or 20 of us or so um, writers who are now... Uh, writers who are now with uh, 16 Wins a Ring um, and we basically uh, just somebody threw an, an idea out there that it'd be really cool if like, we just started the site you know, we weren't exactly thrilled with the direction that a lot of um, a lot of NBA writing pub- publications go go down by, uh, by necessity because I mean everything's got to be profitable if you're going to put a lot of time and effort into it mm-hmm. um but we wanted to sort of stay away from the clickbait model and um, just basically give like really deep analysis, good, great commentary, um, insightful stuff. Um, and uh, so, what started as almost like a half joke in a random uh, DM chat group um, really quickly grew legs. And uh, special thanks to Adam Joseph and his uh, behind-the-scenes team, our editor in chief. He's he's throwing like pretty much all of his waking hours for the last month and a half, almost two months now, into making this thing a real success, and the rest of us have just sort of followed his lead. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, I think that things are really starting off on the right foot. We've, uh, Aside from just the writing, we've also got a growing podcast network. I think we just added a couple more, actually, in the last couple of days, which is really exciting. Um, two podcasts that I had already been listening to and really enjoyed. Um, the Drive and Dish podcast, which, aside from their association with us, has been one of my favorite basketball podcasts since uh, since I discovered them around the beginning of the season. And unquestionably, raw are uh, two or two podcasts now that are sort of under our banner. And uh, it's really it's really exciting to have this growing group of extremely talented and motivated uh, individuals. As for myself, I I write for Sixteen Wins a Ring. 
and I'm also one of the editors. So, um, basically, thanks to how talented these guys are, my main role is just reading everything that these guys write first, and, uh, <laughs> um, you know, it's not the worst life. It's not the hardest job. <laughs> yeah. Um, they don't leave a whole lot for me to have to do, you know? Yeah. Um, if anyone missed, uh, Duncan's a couple of Duncan's articles on 16 wins ring were about the Rockets and um, I, I sent out a tweet saying that I'm gonna have to expect incredible Rockets content from you on a regular basis now because um, first you came out with that James Harden piece which was just incredible and then you came out with the uh, Rockets uh, three-point shooting kind of offensive piece which I thought was just spectacular too um, so if you guys missed those make sure to check them out especially if you're Rockets fans um, all right so uh, let's just move into some of the topics um, uh, today's episode of Free Talk Friday here on the 94 Feet Report, and we're going to start by talking about the lower half of the Eastern Conference playoff picture because it is quite a mess to say the least. Um, right now, I mean, basically every you know every couple of hours you check the standings, and the and the teams have fluctuated so much. You know, the Wizards were in sixth before last night's games, and they finished the night I think in eighth. Or um, it's quite a mess right now. So what I kind of want to do, the goal of this segment is to kind of predict the lower half of the Eastern Conference playoff picture and, and which teams you think would make, uh, are going to make the, the five through eight seeds in the Eastern Conference. Um, so I'll go with my list and then you can give me your list and, and maybe a reason why. Um, but my list in this order would be the Hornets finishing fifth, the Bucks at sixth, the Wizards at seventh, and the Pistons at eighth. Um, you know, I still have faith in the Pistons. I picked them to comfortably make the make the playoffs before the season started. Um, they've had some issues, and you know, the question I wanted to ask you because, of course, I mentioned you're the editor of Piston Powered on Fansided, and almost every day I see you fighting with people um, arguing that Contavious Caldwell Pope is worth twenty million dollars in the uh, off season. Um, so I really want to ask you, what what are some of the real issues that the Pistons face for people who don't regularly follow or watch the Pistons? Well, it's kind of strange. Uh, one of one of the hallmarks of like good Piston teams have always been effort and tough defense, and those are things that have largely been lacking, uh, especially in the last 15, 15 games or so. Um, it coincided with the return of Reggie Jackson, uh, but I, unlike a lot of people, I'm really hesitant to lay this at his feet. Um, I think that. His reintegration through the uh, the overall vibe of the team off, I think, through the chemistry of the team off, and I think that um, they got off to a bad start. And they're a young group; they're a young team that has um, not a whole lot of experienced veteran leadership. Uh, I think Marcus Morris, and of, of all the rotational players in the team, I think Marcus Morris might be the oldest. Um, so, I mean. If Marcus Morris is your veteran leader, uh, it does beg to question the uh, the maturity that you might get sort of flowing from that. Um, you know, I have, I personally have nothing bad to say about Morris. He's been uh, a pretty exemplary player and piston since he arrived in town, but we know his reputation. So um, I think that these are fixable problems, and I think that these are problems that are internally fixable. Um, the last few games we've seen some progress they up until the last like six or seven games they have been just getting like destroyed every night by every team they play um, and they, they have at least gotten to the, to the point where they're keeping these games close they're keeping uh, competitive 
and the complete and total meltdowns that happen when they get down by four points after three minutes in the first quarter, which literally happens. Like, uh, there's a 10-game stretch where you could tell by the four-minute mark of the first quarter if they're going to lose and lose ugly. And um, they've at least addressed those concerns. I'm not convinced that they're going to get the ship righted, but I, I still feel like there's so much talent, especially in the top end of this roster. Um, if they can stay healthy, get John Lohr back, get Reggie Bullock back, who's supposedly he should be a pretty big contributor to the scene. He was actually my breakout fist, my breakout piston coming into the season. I think we might have talked about this actually before the season started. Mm-hmm. Um, he was my breakout candidate for the Pistons. And he's played, I believe, four games in like 38 minutes or something like that so far because he's been, uh, he's missed no shortage of time uh, with back spasms and a torn meniscus. Uh, and it sounds like he's going to be back after this trip out west. So, I guess best case scenario, which is what I'm hoping for, uh, they get this thing back together and they can squeak back into the playoff consideration. Uh, there are two games out of eight right now. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, you know, they've been struggling so much, but yet they're only two games out because the rest of the bottom half of the Eastern Conference playoff picture has also been just as mediocre, I would say. Um, my only reasoning for putting the Hornets and the Bucks above the Wizards and then the Pacers, who are currently in fifth, but I'm pretty sure they just got blown out uh, by the Nuggets in London. Um, but I don't have the Pacers making the playoffs. I have the Hornets and Bucks ahead of the Wizards and the Pacers, mainly because they're more balanced and, like, they're more consistent at home and on the road. I mean, for example, the Pacers are five and thirteen on the road. Uh, the Wizards are four and thirteen on the road. Meanwhile, the Bucks are eight and nine, which is pretty solid, and the Hornets are eight and twelve, which isn't that great, but still better than the atrocious Wizards and Pacers road record. So that's why I have the Hornets and the Bucks mainly um, above the Pacers and Wizards. So I'd like to take get your take on who you think will finish in the seeds five through eight in the Western Conference, and maybe a, a quick reason or two why. Sure. Um, right now what I've got is uh, I've got the Bucks in 5th I've got the Hornets in 6th I've got the Pacers in 7th and I mean I've, I've got the Pistons in 8th and I'm not necessarily proud of that because <laughs> um, they're a pretty bad 8 seed right now but um, I feel like the Wizards are probably going to fall out of this and I think that nothing below the 9 mark the 9 or 10 mark here in the Eastern Conference has any shot. I think the Knicks are completely dead. I completely uh, agree with you on that one. <laughs> are becoming what we thought they were from the beginning of the season. I think I had them with uh, 37 or 38 wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I also had the Pacers with 37 or 38 wins, and they might still end up with about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, I've, I've got them in seventh, which probably projects to like 44 wins, maybe 43 wins. Yeah. Um, as for my I think the, the most interesting of these teams is the Bucks. Um, <clears throat> pardon me, got a little throat thing going on here. Um, I th- I think the Bucks have suddenly demonstrated uh, talent to such a, gr- a great degree that they're going to be pretty undeniable. Um, I I have become a pretty big believer in uh, Giannis and Jabari Parker, and I think that um, as long as the rest of the team as long as they stay healthy, as long as there are no major issues that arise, I think that this is a team that is solid enough that they can get to uh, the top of this bottom tier of the, uh, the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. I mean, 
the Bucks. We've always heard this thing that the Bucks are the team that no one wants to face because of their length and athleticism, and I mean just the incredible rise of Giannis and and Jabari Parker really too has kind of been his rise has been kind of under the radar mainly because of how good Giannis has been next to him. But Jabari is taking a huge step up, and um, if it weren't for Giannis kind of being a, I would consider the front runner for most improved player of the year. I mean Jabari Parker has got to be you know a close second with guys like Zach Levine and um, stuff like that. So. Um, I agree with the Bucks. Um, I put them at six because I still am not sure. You know, they can sometimes have great wins. They had that great win in San Antonio. Then other nights, you know, just kind of you know not pull it out, losing to the Knicks at home um, was a, was a bad loss. And um, you know, I'm also interested to see what happens when uh, and if Chris Middleton can return after the All Star break. You know, they have there's like been uh, conflicting reports that he's going to return comfortably out of, after the all-star break but maybe they might hold him back until you know mid to late march to make sure he's fully healthy and you know we have to see how he's going to look after that um so the bucks are an interesting team to watch and obviously one of the most fun teams to watch in the nba um uh with that being said i want to move on to our next segment which i'm going to call contender or pretender and i'm just going to throw out a couple of teams i've got three teams here that i'm going to throw out uh, their name and um i'd like to hear your thoughts and if you think they're a contender or a pretender um, and in my opinion, there are different levels of being a contender. I consider, uh, you know, it to be different. You can be a contender for a conference finals, and that can be very, very different than a contender for the, the actual NBA finals. So, um, if you, you can clarify that for each team if you want. Um, but the first team I'm going to throw out are the LA Clippers. Are they a contender or a pretender to you? To me, they're a pretender. Yeah. Um, I think that from a health perspective, um, you know, we don't know that. Blake is going to come back healthy. We don't know what kind of production he's going to bring. Um, let's see. Looking at their, uh, they have won five in a row to get to 27 and 14, but I'm not entirely, I can't tell you off the top of my head who they've been playing or like if they've just been picking off the bottom feeders of the NBA. Um, I don't buy into their ability to win big games against good teams. So um, I think that the top third well, we'll just say the top three teams in the Western Conference are too stacked. I think that um, I think they're another second round out, um, almost certainly. Yeah, I agree. I mean, especially I mean, I see a path for the Clippers to make the conference finals, but they'd have to stay healthy. They'd have to get that third seed because if they're the fourth seed. They win that first series, and then they're going to play the Warriors, and we know what the Warriors like to do to the Clippers. Um, and then, so I think it depends mainly on seedings and then injuries for the Clippers. And I could somewhat see a path to the conference finals that would have to involve, you know, a Spurs kind of mini letdown, um, which is possible. The Clippers did beat the Spurs two years ago in the uh, playoffs, but you know, I, I, I agree. I think the Clippers are a pretender. Um, the next team coming, going back to the Eastern Conference, the Boston Celtics. Do you think they're a contender or a pretender? Uh, for the conference finals, I think they're a contender. Mm-hmm. Um, I I had the Cavaliers, the Raptors, and the Celtics. I had the Celtics and Raptors flipped, actually. I had the Celtics as the number two seed in the East before the season began. Yeah. And things are more or less kind of falling into the, into the order that I expected them to. It took a little longer than I expected them to. Um, you know, I don't think that they would be in any way, shape, or form a contender in the West. But... Um, I think that I think a series against the Raptors would be a virtual coin flip, probably, um, and that would uh, I think that uh, that would probably be a, a fairly likely second round matchup. Um, I think the Raptors are a touch better, 
but I, I think the Celtics are a contender. I think they've got at least a punch in the shot against the Raptors. Yeah, I think I agree that they have a, a pretty. I'd say they have a pretty good shot against the Raptors. It kind of depends on matchups. Again, Valanciunas just destroyed them on the boards in that game. Uh, I believe it was on Tuesday. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see, you know, obviously every, almost every day, you know, someone's floating around a trade possibility of the Celtics making a move because they have so many assets and that'll be something to watch. And especially if the Celtics do make a trade for a rim protector and, and rebounder that could kind of, you know, shore up their biggest weakness, um, that would make a significant difference for them, especially in a series versus the Raptors. Um, so I agree the Celtics are a contender for the conference finals, at least, um, the final team, I want to talk about, of course, my favorite team, the Houston Rockets. Do you believe that they are a contender or a pretender? I think this is an easy one. They're definitely a contender. Um, you surround James Harden with bigs who can run the pick and roll and shooters who are lights out like Gordon and Anderson and Ariza and Beverly. Um, it's You need an elite team to stop them right now. I, I think that the Warriors are that team, obviously, but I think that they're probably about a coin flip against the Spurs as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's no doubt that they're a contender, most definitely for the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, I, I agree. There's, I think they're certainly a contender for the Conference Finals, especially for a couple of reasons. One, of course, we've talked about the shooting, and that's pretty much the first thing people talk about when they talk about the Rockets. I mean, all they really have to do is get hot for, you know, a seven-game series, which they have shown the ability to do. They've already had two winning streaks of at least nine games this season. Um, and not all of those wins coincide with great shooting, um, especially the latest one coincided with a pretty soft schedule. But, you know, they've obviously shown, you know, stretches where they can go, you know, five to six games of just lights out shooting that, you know, you can play great defense and they're still hitting their shots and you just get frustrated and lose. Um, the other reason is because they look like they're, going to finish with the third seed I would predict they're four games ahead of the Clippers for the third seed right now um and their schedule isn't too tough over the next you know month or so so they should probably be able to you know maintain that lead um and that's huge because again I just talked about the Clippers being the four seed you know the four seed if they win their series would have to play the Warriors so if the Rockets can you know win that first series and then play the Spurs I mean the Rockets right now should be 2-1 2-1 against the Spurs in the season series. They had that incredible, incredible choke job in Houston like two 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 weeks ago. One of the most frustrating losses of the season. Um, but if, you know, they more than likely they're going to win that game, you know, that specific type of game more often than not. So they would already be up 2-1 against the Spurs in the season series. And, um, you know, you never want to doubt the Spurs, but all the Rockets have to do is, uh, you know, get hot for a seven-game series. And I think they could certainly take out the Spurs. And then there you go. You find yourself against the Warriors, and, you know, they've beaten the Warriors one time in Oracle in December. Um, they're going to play them uh, next week, so we'll see what happens there. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't think that series would go seven, but I could cert- definitely see it going six. Um, you know, if the Rockets get cold, then it could, you know, maybe finish in five, you know, depending on how, you know, you know, ramped up the Warriors are at that point being in the conference finals. But I certainly agree that the Rockets are a contender um, for the conference finals. And, you know, maybe just a crazy shot at the NBA Finals, depending on injuries, because you never know with the, you know, with those circumstances, of course. Um, and so with that, let's go to our final segment, um, which kind of just a random mishmash of topics, um, but it's essentially kind of trades you would like to see over the next month. So we know the trade deadline um, is basically a month away, and there are a, a good amount of teams that um, could use a trade to either boost their playoff chances or boost their, you know, 
playoff chances, you know, actually winning a series or two. Um, so I'm going to run through a couple of trades that I like to see quickly, and then, you know, I'll ask your opinion on some of them. And then, of course, if you have other ones that you've come up on your own, you can, of course, share them. Um, the first one I want to see is, the, you know, the Blazers getting a defensive anchor because we know the Blazers' defensive struggles. I mean, they're basically the, the holding the team back. We know they have a great offense. they got a great backcourt offensively. Um, but defensively, they have basically no rim protector. And you couple that with mediocre perimeter defenders like Lillard um, and McCollum, and you get a recipe for disaster on the defensive end. And the reason why, um, you know, as of right now, the Blazers are 18 and 23, which is you know significantly below expectations coming into the season. Um, so of course we've got guys like Andrew Bogut being thrown around, Tyson Chandler, even though he's got that huge contract for the next, uh, I think, two seasons. Um, and then of course the interesting one, Nerlens Noel, who was out of the rotation and is now back in the rotation. Um, so you really don't know what you'd have to give up to trade Noel and what the Sixers want, especially because the Sixers are actually on a pretty hot stretch right now. Um, um, so I'd like to see the Blazers get a defensive anchor um, of some kind, and you know hopefully they don't have to give up too much. But again. They've got you know some serious contracts over the next couple of years, so maybe they'd be interested in, in moving a guy like Alan Crabb or a Harkless or someone who has an expensive contract that's pretty much on the bench. Um, so you know you can talk about the Blazers or you can talk about other trades that you'd like to see over the next month. Sure. Well, actually, the the one that I find the most interesting that you mentioned is uh, the situation with Nerlens Noel. Um, it's hard to see exactly, or it's hard to know exactly what the Sixers are going to seek for him. It, it, it's hard to know how they value him. Um, and with a team that basically has needs at every position other than center, um, like what do they want to plug first? What what are they planning on like saving to deal with in the draft? It's very... Uh, I, I'm not a draft guy myself. Um, basically, like a week before the draft, I'm probably going to start cramming and trying to learn like the names of these guys <laughs> and if they're good, etc. Yeah. Um, but I do understand that it's a really deep draft for point guards mm-hmm. um, and so that being said maybe what they're get, they can eliminate small forward is something they want to, to cover because they'll have Simmons coming back they can eliminate a point guard because they'll probably draft a point guard um, so you know we, we can sort of narrow down maybe to two positions that they might try to fill if they in fact do decide to move Noel um, and you know, not saying that they don't flip the script and move Okafor which seems less likely, although um, it's really hard to say exactly. I feel like they don't really know what they want to do either. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that it's going to be a really interesting deadline day for New Orleans as well and the rest of the Philadelphia 76ers for once. Yeah. Um, I saw an article on The Ringer. I think it was from Kevin O'Connor, who was, I think it was this early this week, it was just like talking about like possible trade deals. And um, I think he threw out like a blockbuster hypothetical of like, the 76ers taking one of their first-round picks this year with Noel and someone else to get um, to trade for C.J. McCollum, um, which, of course, would give, give them a shooting guard, give the Blazers a great first-round pick, obviously, which would give them probably a you know, top-five talent, and then Nerlens Noel, that defensive anchor. You know, really interesting. I, don't, I doubt it's going to happen because McCollum just signed that extension, and you know, what, what does that show to your fans if you just sign the guy to an extension and then trade him away? Um, Bad look, yeah. Yeah, but it no is a look. really interesting kind of idea for both teams. It does really make sense, but of course, you know, you have to be, you have to really see how that would flush out. Um, kind of on a similar note, the Celtics. I just mentioned them talking about you know our contender or pretender, and um, 
they also could use a rebounder and rim protector. And a guy like Andrew Bogut's been flown, you know, been thrown around because you know even he himself is saying, "Oh, I expect to be traded." Like he's just openly saying that. Um, of course, the Mavericks are not contending. Um, they've been pretty bad this year. Been hit by the injury bug seriously. Um, and you know, Bogut can probably be obtained for a really cheap price. Um, so of course we know the Celtics have a, a bunch of assets, so they could just use a minimal amount of those assets or one asset basically. Um, to get Bogan, you know, he is still a good rim protector, still a good rebounder. He's got some injury concerns, but he's a good passing big man. Um, I'd like to see the Celtics get a rebounder or rim protector, especially because we saw them get exposed pretty heavily um, against the Raptors in that game uh, earlier this week. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think uh, Bogus actually a really good fit. Uh, it doesn't really make any sense for the Mavs to have him. They don't need... <laughs> A good center. They don't need a good rim protector. Um, you know, trying to pretend that they're not basically uh, a tank candidate is obviously uh, pretty foolish. They're eleven and twenty-seven right now, um, and they're not getting any better. There's really no reason to hold on to uh, a large-ish ticket guy like a Bogut when you can dump him and get a just a draft pick or something. You can, you know, you can consider an asset in exchange. Uh, He's more useful elsewhere. And like you said, the Celtics definitely need some size and some rim protection there. Yeah. Um, okay, so the next trade involving the Rockets. Um, anyone who has watched the Rockets this season and last season as well um, can just, you know, kind of feel the pain of watching, having to watch Corey Brewer, you know, run around the court like a chicken with its head cut off, every, you know, for about 20 minutes a game. Um, somehow, Corey Brewer with, I think I looked it up yesterday, has an 8 player efficiency rating which is just I mean 15 is league average so he has eight he has an eight player efficiency rating which is just abysmal um he can't shoot threes on a, on a team that relies on shooters um and he seems to uh, not be able to dribble the ball as well um but enough you know kind of shitting on Coy Brewer um uh I would really like to see the Rockets replace Brewer's minutes because I mean I think I tweeted it out like uh, last week. There are about two to three open corner threes that Brewer gets every single game uh, when he plays alongside Harden, who draws someone's attention, and he just cannot m- make those shots. So, I mean, I'm looking at a wing like, you know, Tabo Cephalosha and the Hawks, who has been rumored to be on the trading block, especially because they already traded Corver. Um, but then again, you know, the, the Hawks apparently pulled Paul Millsap from the trading market. So, you know, who knows who, who who knows exactly who's on their trading market, but I like to see the Rockets replace Brewer's minutes with a guy who can defend because Brewer's de- defense is is overrated as well. You know, a lot of people say that's the reason why he gets on the court. Well, even that is not good anymore at all. Um, I'd like to see a wing who could play some defense and you know occasionally you know shoot at least thirty to thirty five percent from three because those are some crucial shots that the Rockets are going to have to make in the playoffs. So that's a big trade. I'd love to see the Rockets make. Um, not necessarily the trade for the big man because the Rockets have been pretty good without Clint Capella. Um, Montrez Hell has been above expectations. Nene has been above expectations as well, surprisingly. Um, but replacing Corey Brewer's minutes has got to be on the uh, number one uh, goal for Daryl Morey over the next month on the trading deadline. <laughs> yeah, this is a thing that I've been thinking about as well. Um, obviously, like with the work that I've been putting in on the Rockets for 16 wins a ring, um, kind of jokes that I didn't intend to become James Harden's personal biographer when I started at 16, but here we are. Um, with, with the focus that I've had on the Rockets, um, Corey Brewer being sort of a drag on the proceedings has been uh, a source of concern for me as well. And I agree, a big is not a concern for them. 
they're basically going to be able to plug a big right back in in a few weeks. I forget what the outlook on Capella's return time is, but I think it's like just a couple weeks now. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. They said um, they said he should be back within the next two weeks. I think he's getting checked up next week, so hopefully things. Yeah, are. yeah. Uh, ben from Locked On Rockets, I think um, yesterday, the day before, was speculating that maybe even with like shorter than two weeks, he might be back. So yeah. I mean, you don't need to trade anything to get a big like. You've got a you've got another one coming back, and you have a pretty solid front court rotation. Then, um, but what they do need is a good stopper wing. Probably, um, I think that uh, like three and D guys are not exactly as plentiful as a lot of people think. Um, you know, my my research and uh, deep dives into KCP and his value have really shown me that more than ever. That um, it's pretty hard to find a guy that can shoot threes and play really good defense. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to be, you know, they're not going to be able to just like pick a guy up off the scrap heap. But if there's some way they can get a guy like Cephalosha, um, I think he'd be a really good fit for what we're talking about here as well. Um, I'm I'm not sure what exactly the, the Hawks would be seeking for him, but um, I think that he would fit really well. And it's you know not that it's all that hard to fit alongside James Harden, yeah. just shoot some threes and move around a lot. Yeah. Um, and then the final trade, well, it's not really an actual trade, but I'd like to see Brooke Lopez or Paul Millsap moved, um, mainly because it just makes things more interesting, and especially if one of them is traded to kind of an Eastern Conference contender like the Raptors, who are obviously have been rumored for Millsap, um, or Boston, who's also been rumored to just you know use their assets to get uh, a presence in the front court. Um, so do you have any possible you know ideas for a potential Brooke Lopez or Paul Millsap trade, or is there any other kind of significant player that would really command some attention if he were traded to a different team? Uh, right now, I'd say that Millsap is probably, like, the main cog. Um, but then, of course, like, we've we've also heard that it sounds like the Hawks got cold feet about their whole tanking idea. Yeah. Um, they won a little bit too much at just the wrong time, and yeah. they threw the brakes on that idea. Um, and I think with, with good enough reason, like, I think they're 22 and 16 right now. They've won seven or eight in a row. Uh, it's kind of hard to tank when you're three games out of second place in the Eastern Conference. <laughs> so uh, I get it. <laughs> um, so I'd be really surprised to see Millsap moved. But Mark Lopez, I think that would be a piece that should be moved somewhere, like um, maybe for a, a fairly reasonable price too, like a, some decent young player who's maybe rotational. And a draft pick because, like, Lord knows the Nets could use the draft picks. <laughs> so I, I think that Lopez is a whole lot more likely to be moved, um, and I think that it'd be really interesting to see if if uh, he popped up in Toronto or Boston because that would be a, a power shift right there. I'm not sure what Brooks Lopez's uh, contract situation is though. I'm yeah. not sure if he'd be a rental, whereas uh, that definitely would be a rental. Yeah, that's that's a tricky thing with Millsap. He's definitely a rental at. Uh, he's gonna be. I think he's thirty two already, or not if not yes. turning thirty two um, in yeah, free agency. Yeah. Um, and I think Brooke has one more year in his contract. That's just off the top of my head, randomly. I haven't heard anything about him being a rental, but um, what I have heard is that the Nets are asking for two first round picks. Which I think if they wait an- another two three weeks, the way they're playing, they're gonna you know have to lower that price just to get at least one first round pick. That you know from a team that you know. Uh, it could be pretty good. Maybe the Celtics get desperate and they just trade, you know, one, back one of those first round picks, and um, or you know maybe the Nets just lower their asking price for Lopez, get a first round pick and a young player. But I like to see one of them move because it just makes things more interesting when there's a significant trade, especially if they go to a contender like Toronto or Boston. 
especially when there's like such a such a, a thin margin between the two of them. Yeah. Um, Lopez is signed for next year, at the end of next season. All right. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I remember hearing uh, on somewhere else. All right, well, uh, I'd like to thank you, Duncan, for uh, joining us for Episode 7 of Free Talk Friday here on the 94 Feet Report. Um, before I let you go, um, you can just throw out your Twitter and where everyone can find your work so they can follow you. Sure. I'm at Duncan Smith NBA on Twitter. Um, again, I am a site expert slash editor um, of Piston Powered. I write a lot over there. I just wrote a uh, pretty intensive and thorough breakdown on um, – KCP's contract situation, his evaluation, uh, what the Pistons should do, and why, basically. Um, and um, so all my Piston content is there, and then all my NBA-facing content is on 16 Wins a Ring, and you guys should be reading both of those, those sites right now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's about it. <laughs> all right, yeah, guys, definitely check out 16 Wins a Ring and follow Duncan on Twitter. Again, follow me on Twitter, at Eric Spirals, for all updates on the show. Um, and we can find my other work for the Dream Shake on SB Nation and uh, Hoops Habit because um, I just did a rankings piece on the young stars in the NBA. So check that out as well on Twitter at Eric Spiros. Um, thank you guys for joining us for Episode 7 of Free Talk Friday here on the 94 Feet Report. Hope you guys have a great weekend watching NBA basketball, and we'll be back with our hour-long kind of traditional um, episode on Monday. Take care, guys.